Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. I say God is good. Amen. 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 Stand to your feet. Amen. We're going to get into the word. Hallelujah. Rap to the music. I was enjoying that. You know, um, anytime, thank you. Anytime I'm given the, the privilege to stand at this, this pulpit, I, I'm always going to give honor to my pastors, Pastor Kevin and Devin Wallace. Y'all give it up for your pastors, I tell you. Um, I give them honor and I thank them for allowing people like me to uh, develop and to operate in my gifting. And so I, I said it before and I'll say it again, I never take it lightly. Um, when I'm given an opportunity to minister, when I have this mic in my hand, so I just thank my pastors and uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I thank God for my wife, amen, Vanita. Y'all know Vanita. Uh, she keeps me straight, amen. She keeps me in line, I, I tell you. We, uh, you, know, I, you know, this, about a week ago, about a week ago, my, I just came under attack. Something just hit me. This started about a week ago, and, and so I've been praying, and uh, appetite just hadn't been the same, but I'm praying and believing God, and so I told my wife, and my wife standing in the gap, and she prays for me, and, you know, this morning, she know how to minister. She says, how you feeling? I said, you know, I'm recovering. I'm, I'll be all right. I'm going to get there. She goes, good, and she smacks me. I said, all right. I'm about to go. I said, why you hit me? She goes, I didn't hit you. I said, yeah, you did. You hit me. She goes, why? I hit you, but I didn't hit you. You know, uh, you know I'm praying for you, so I hit you so you feel better. You know, you know how preachers, they smack and punch people. And I'm like, no. I said, you know, you remember that preacher that kicked the baby off stage? It was like 1930, I think. I'm like, girl. So she goes, well, I hit you, but I'm praying for you. So she walks out the door and she, she comes back in and she throws me a communion cup from 1982. That's, that's an inside joke. I had to ask her about that. And she throws me a communion. I'm going to tell you something. The, the, the moral of the story is get you a woman that will pray for you and smack you. No, I'm joking. But the moral is get you a husband, get you a wife that will stand in the gap and intercede for you when you need them to, amen? I know in the moments where I felt my weakest, my wife has always been there and stood by my side, and so I thank God for my wife. And then my armor bear, Zoe. I ain't gonna talk about Zoe. That's my little armor bear. Oh, oh y'all know Zoe. Okay, praise God, praise God. So I thank God for my family. I thank God for you. I thank God for my church, amen? And I'm just happy to be here. Uh, you know, I think it's important that we understand that, that times like this, uh, we need each other. Amen? We need each other. I told you I need my wife. We need each other. We need each other. When you're feeling down, you ought to be able to call on somebody. Amen? When you need prayer, you ought to be able to pick up a phone and say, pray with me. You know, I preached a while ago, and I said one of the greatest um, evils of this world is isolation. I firmly believe that. We as believers should never isolate ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe 
Jesus at times taught us that he would get away with the Father. That's a different type of isolation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those times where you realize that you need somebody to lean on. Amen. You need somebody that you can call on. Uh, somebody that will pray for you. Amen. They will stand in the God. No matter what you're going through. I'm going to tell you something. Something about my wife. She will, I will tell you this right now. My wife don't make no excuses. No reasonings when it comes to the word of God. You know, the Bible is a legal document. It is a covenant. She makes no excuses about the covenant. You know, when you have a covenant, you, you don't reason with it. It is what it is. You, you, when the Bible says, I am blessed and highly favored, it don't matter what you say. When the Bible says, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, it, it doesn't matter what you think. I have a legal binding covenant, amen? And so we remind ourselves of that covenant. So... Although I may have been under attack, she reminded me that I got the blood. That's right. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got the blood. Amen. You may say, well, Torrance, you know, you know, I got a mountain in my way. Good. Because you serve a God that moves mountains. You know, don't get discouraged when you got distractions and you got blocks in front of you. That's just an opportunity for your heavenly father to show himself strong. Amen. You got a book, you got a Bible that has promises for you and I. And no matter what comes our way, I have a covenant with the Heavenly Father. Amen. That mountain has to go. The Bible says, say unto that mountain, be thou removed. Amen. Oh, Torrance, you've been a little irrational. Yep. Yes, I am. I serve. Let me tell you something. Since when was the last time you read your Bible, God said something that was rational? The Bible does not make things seem comfortable for the natural mind. I am being irrational. I've been rational most of my life. Amen. I'm being irrational. I'm talking about you serve a God that raised dead bodies. Come on, a God that heals the sick. Come on, blind eyes see. You know, John the Baptist said, hey, Jesus, are you the one? He said, look around. Do, do you not see that the lame walk? Come on, the blind see. Amen. I want you to know you serve a God of irrationals. Amen. A God that causes the dead to live. Amen. So you say unto that mountain. Amen. That's not what I'm preaching on, but... Praise God. I want to tell you, come on, you believe in Narnia, believe in Jesus. Amen? You serve a God of more than enough. I'm talking about a God that, in his word, donkeys talk. Ten-foot giant men. Hundred-year-old men having babies. In the Bible, Samson picking up the jawbone of a donkey and killing a thousand men. And you want to tell me God can't do it. That's not what I'm preaching on, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, listen, y'all be seated. Amen. I'm going to read the word. Y'all be seated. I just want to get y'all loose. If you're cold, get ready. Amen. We're about to warm things up. Um, you know, the word I want to minister tonight. And I will pray if Holy Spirit, 
have your way. This hour is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this word is, is, a, is, is very close to me, and I, I prayed over it, and, and I really sought the Lord about what to minister on tonight. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all came to meet him tonight? Hallelujah. I hope you came to get with Jesus tonight. Hmm. As I sat down there doing praise and worship, I feel so strongly the presence of God. I hope you did too. You know, it, it's wonderful to come into a place like this during the middle of the week. You know, you, you, you have the musicians and, and the musicians, they come and they play. And, and, and I pray that they came for the word too. You have the singers, they're up here singing, but you know, no matter how beautiful they sound, I hope they came for the word. You know, we got wonderful childcare and, you know, our teens are over there having church and, and you're in this wonderful building, but I hope you came for the word. I hope you came to receive from God tonight. Luke chapter 13. Starting at verse 6. Then Jesus told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years, somebody say three years. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I have not found any. Cut it down. Why should he use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. He says, sir, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. Somebody say one more year. Amen. Tonight it's simple. I'm going to talk from a small phrase entitled ask him ask him ask him you know we're at the end of 2023 and I'm sure many of you have made plans for the new year you've marked your calendar you've had meetings you you've made plans you have expectations you are ready for the new beginning a fresh start do I got any witnesses in the room? You already got 2024 already planned out. Come on. Amen. Not many. But you understand the new year brings different and a new, fresh perspective. How many of y'all do New Year resolutions? Amen. How many of y'all admit that resolution just lasts till the 31st of January? Amen. But we make plans for the new year. We are ready and looking forward, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that in 2023, we sometimes legalize amnesia and we forget about some things that we didn't do. 
Uh, we forget about promises that we didn't keep. Uh, we realize that we lost opportunities and we squandered resources, misused time. And so sometimes going into a new year, we're somewhere glad because we feel like we can start over. But can we be honest and say sometimes we just miss it? 2023 is at its end and there were some things that took place and we just miss it. We just missed it. We just, we just messed up. Can we be honest and say I blew it? I blew it. You know, honesty, and let's just be honest, honesty is the best way to prevent a mistake from turning into a failure. You got to be honest. That mistake happened, praise God, but be honest with yourself and don't let that mistake turn into a failure. You know, you got to look in a mirror sometimes. You know, a mirror is only helpful to those whose eyes are open to it. You hear what I said? Sometimes you just got to be honest. Sometimes you got to accept what took place and you got you to gotta be able to move on. But, but I do believe that 2024 is a significant year. Pastor Devin has been talking about open doors and, uh, and, and opportunities coming away. I believe 2024 is going to be a season of second chances for many of you. This coming year is going to give you an opportunity to do something different and to walk into that second chance. Amen. So let's get into the word. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. They feel like I was reading a Bible story. Praise God. Eh? I thank God for them over there, musicians. Thank you. So I do believe this year will be a year for you and I, second chances. Look at verse 6 again. It says, the owner came to his vineyard and he sees his fig tree, and he says, I've been coming, and for the last three years, I have found nothing. You know, I, you know, when I read the Bible, I often ask questions. You know, you have a tree planted, and for three years, you mean to tell me that there was no fruit? Not bad fruit. There was no fruit. For three years. The owner found nothing. And God comes looking for fruit. Do you know God and what he plants expects fruit? God never plants anything and not expects something from it. God always expects fruit from what he plants. Amen. Even if you look at Adam and Eve, you know, you go to Genesis 1:26, God said, let us make man. What? In our image and after our likeness. I'm going to create man. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him dominion. I'm going to give him the ability to call things and name birds and animals, and they're going to be fruitful, and they're going to multiply in the earth. He expected something from his creation. Then if you go to Genesis around chapter 2 and verse 15, he took the man that he created and he put him in a garden. And he says, now tend to it, protect it, guard it, produce. You know the story, you go in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy comes and he tempts the man and the woman. And he begins to question what God said. 
Let me tell you something. The enemy will always cause you and I to try and question what it is that God wants out of you and I. Did God say you should start that business? Did God say you should do this or you should do that? And he began to question. And so Eve saw and questioned herself and said, man, this fruit does look good. And the Bible says she took it and ate it. And then she gave to her husband. And what did he do? He took it and ate it. You know, let me tell you something. God wants us to produce fruit, not eat it. They sit there and took what they should have been tending to. You heard Pastor Kevin said before, you can't eat the seed. Uh, you should not be eating what belongs to God. It belongs to God. You're to protect it. You're to guard it. But you, and you should tend it, but you shouldn't take it. You shouldn't eat it. God expects fruit where he plants you and I. He expects something out of it. Amen? So, you know, we got to be careful oftentimes. And, and we look at this scripture when it says that the fig tree did not produce anything that, the, that was in the garden that he was planted in. And oftentimes we got to be careful because if we're not careful, we'll blame the owner for why we're not producing. Adam did it. When they sin, God goes looking for them. And Adam said, I hid myself because that woman you gave me. Go read the Bible. The woman you gave me gave me the fruit and I did eat. Adam blamed God for the fall instead of taking responsibility. And so when you look at this scripture in Luke 13, you got to be careful because you say, man, that fruit tree, that fig tree didn't produce anything. And we might blame the owner. Well, it's the owner's fault. It's God's fault. He, he planted me in the wrong garden. He, he, he put me in the wrong neighborhood. Uh, 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 I was born in the wrong family. Uh, I can't make it here. I can't thrive here. He, he planted me here and he messed up. He put me here. You know, we, we deal with something in the world and if, 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 if I were to be honest, it, it tries to creep itself into the church at large and it's this entitlement uh, mentality. Y'all know what entitlement is. Entitlement means you expect something from nothing. Come on. You expect somebody to give you something for nothing. You, you feel entitled. You feel like, you know, you want God to do it your way. You want God to base things on who you are. And when we have this, this sense of entitlement that tries to creep into the body that will cause us to think that God owes us something. Let me tell you something. God does not owe you or I anything. Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And, and you know, the, this younger generation, they, they're really... Uh, they're really keen on this entitlement issue. Let's just call it that issue, if you will. You know, the younger generation, they, they want free education, free money. They want pay advancements. Uh, you know, y'all don't talk about this younger, this young, let me tell you something. If I give a young person a job to lay down, they will get up and quit. Yeah, uh, it's different. They want everything free. 
you know, the, uh, uh, the middle generation, myself, maybe us older generation, we got to be careful because we can somewhat have entitlement issue as well. We, we want a little discomfort. Uh, we want that comfortable life. Uh, minimal pain, if you will. You know, uh, uh, please, uh, don't, I don't want things to be too difficult. I just want to be free. just want to be laid back. That's entitlement. God can't use that. Don't be pulled into the retirement mentality. Now, you may retire physically from a job, but that does not mean God is done with you, ma'am, sir. But I'm 70. Good. I looked in the Bible. He used a lot of 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 90. I told you, Abraham, baby, 100. You, sir, you're 100. Baby. How do we feel? You thought you were done, but God says, I'm just getting started. But I just retired. Good, you have more time for me. You have more time for the calling that I have upon your life. Oh, don't think you're too old, amen? Come on, look at somebody that's a little bit older and say, you ain't too old. Come on, say it with some confidence. God still will use you. Amen, don't be scared of them. I know they're your elders, praise God, but you can speak life and say, God is not done with you. Amen? Praise God, praise God. But nonetheless, even with an entitlement mentality, even though sometimes we feel like that we deserve something for nothing, nevertheless, look at the scripture. Look at verse 8, I believe. The gardener. The keeper of the garden, the vineyard, says, sir, leave it alone. Give it one more year. Give it one more year. Let me till the ground. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let, let me work on it just a little bit more. Give me one more chance. Sir, give me one more opportunity. Don't cut it down. Give me time to work with this tree. If you hadn't figured it out yet, I might have said that the owner of the garden is God. The keeper, the, 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 the vine dresser, that's Jesus. The, the, the gardener, that's Christ himself. And if you hadn't figured out that fig tree, that's me. That's you. And so you have God finding no fruit from the tree that he planted. You have Jesus saying, sir, give me one more year. Jesus wants to be involved in your life. You know, this tree producing no fruit, Jesus says, just give me some opportunity to dig around it. Give me opportunity to fertilize it. Give me some time to work with their life. Give me an opportunity to step in and to, to change and to rearrange their surroundings. Let me work with them. Let me dig around them. There's some distractions taking place in their life. There's some, there's some people in the, there's some relationships they're involved in. I gotta show them they need to be free so that they can produce some fruit. 
You know, ministers of the gospel, your, your pastors, your, your pastoral staff, your children's pastors, your, your team pastors, forwards, all the different ministries that we have in this church, the fit team, and, 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 and we are Chad. They're out there somewhere. And, you know, all these, these ministries, these, at, at these departments, you know, they have a responsibility like Jesus. You know, they are intercessors for you as the flock. They intercede for you and I. They stand in the gap and they pray for us and, and they intercede for us. They are the ones that as they preach, they pray. They're like Jesus in this garden. They, they, they take opportunities every Wednesday and every Sunday and they preach and they teach. And what they're really doing is they're just digging up the ground. They are what I would call freshening your spiritual culture. They're fertilizing the ground around you. Every time you come into this building, every time you come to a conference, every time you come to a meeting and you're under the sound of the minister, what they're doing is they're tilling the ground, fertilizing, freshening your spiritual culture. Amen? The ground always determines what's produced. I won't go there, but you know the story of the four grounds. It's important where the seed falls. It's important where the word lands. What kind of ground are you? The ground makes a huge difference in our lives. I say it again, the ground always determines what is produced. Jesus is there to till the ground. Now, my, my last name is Farmer, but believe it or not, I don't like farming. I never liked farming. We grew up on seven, eight acres, and about five acres down from the house, my dad had the brilliant idea of starting a garden. It was demonic. It was not of God for a 15-year-old. And every year, we hear my dad crank up the tiller, and we knew it was time to till the land. And we look out the window, he's down there tilling the garden, tilling it. And folks, when I tell you, he spent hours tilling the ground. I'm talking, he was up at 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night. Tilling it. Tilling the ground. And he tilled it and he turned it he flipped it over and flipped it over and flipped it over and turned it. And so I remember at first when he got done, we thought, okay, we go ahead and plant these seeds and let, we could be done with it. We get back to playing basketball, going out with our friends, cow tipping. It didn't matter. We did a whole lot of things. And my dad would call us to come to the garden. And after he got done tilling, he said, boys, I need y'all to go through the garden and pull out all the weeds and get all the rocks. And we thought, well, what was you doing? But don't you know, when he tilled it, he had to expose some of the distractions. He had to expose the things that would affect the crops and stop them from producing. So even after he tilled the ground, we still had to go out there and remove the rocks, get rid of the roots. Get rid of the, 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 the branches and all the things, the animals. There was moles out there. 
Rats. That's why I said it was demonic. Uh, oftentimes, throughout the process, deer would come and eat the crop. My dad had this idea. Uh, he would cut our hair when we were younger. It's three of us boys, Pastor Tobin. And he let our hair grow this, this high. We had little afros. And we would beg our dad to cut our hair, and he wouldn't until a certain time, uh, especially during the garden season, he would cut our hair after it grew out. And he would take our hair, and he would sprinkle it around the garden. And we thought, what are you doing that for? He says, the animals hate the smell of humans. So your hair was a detractor to animals. You see the revelation of that? Sometimes God will take a piece of you and he will just plant you in that family that you hate. He might just put you in that neighborhood that you despise. And he might just put, I'm talking about you as a light, praise God. You as the salt of the earth. He will strategically put you in a place that the devil know he can't touch. He know he cannot go in and do what he wants to do because you're there. He can't touch your family. He can't touch your family because of you. Amen. Your job won't shut down because of you. Amen. Uh, I laugh now. People wonder why I start cutting hair at 13 because I got tired of afros and, and cutting my hair bald to put in the garden. So I started cutting my own hair, praise God, and it worked out good. Amen. But my dad tilled the ground, and we learned that the ground after his till must be cultivated. There's some things that you got to move. And so what Jesus says, let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me get into their life because there's some things that have to be removed from you and I. Go back to the parable. The fig tree produced nothing for three years. Did you know a typical fig tree should produce three times a year? At least there should be something on that tree at least three times in one year. God said, I came and I found nothing for three years. What's your testimony? Is that, don't ask it, but is that you? If it is you, Jesus is here to come in and he's here to get into your life. Let me tell you something, saints. You were worth dying for. You were worth saving. If nobody else wanted you, Jesus does. Jesus wants to come into our life and he wants to begin to dig and to fertilize. He wants to get into the ground of our life and remove distractions and remove relationships that are causing us to be fruitless. You know, I, I went to the, uh, the jail ministry last week. And I talked along these lines that God is a God of second chances. And I used the, the parable, it wasn't a parable, but I used the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. And you know the story, they caught this woman in adultery, they bring her to the center court and they begin to uh, uh, ask Jesus what should be done of this woman. We caught in adultery. Moses says she should be stoned. She deserves death for her crime. And you know what? He agreed you're right the law says one should be stoned if they're caught in adultery 
But I want you to know what's interesting, that Jesus, after hearing of their persistence to stone this woman, the Bible says he went to the ground. He started working the ground. The Bible says starts writing. Now, people argue, what did Jesus write? I don't know. He could have been writing, woman, thou art loose. You are forgiven. Uh, this should not be the end of you. I've called you for greater things. When the accusations came, when the threats came, Jesus went to work the ground. No fruit is produced, so Jesus began to work the ground. And he looks up and they're steady talking to him. Aren't you going to tell us to kill this lady? And the Bible says he went a second time. And what did he do? Start working the ground. Your sins are forgiven. You know what? Go and sin no more. Uh, we're your accusers. Where are the ones that said you deserve it of death? And she says, they're gone. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see that Jesus gave this woman a second chance. She deserved death. He told them, you're innocent. Cast the first stone. He gave her a second chance. Go. Here is another opportunity to live right. God is a God of second chances. Amen. If you had one more year, if you had one more year, one more chance, one more opportunity, what would you ask him? See, Jesus saw this fig tree producing nothing for three years, and he says, look, you just give me opportunity to dig around it, fertilize it, just give me one more year. If you had one more chance, one more year, what would you ask him? What would you ask him? Whatever it is, ask him again. Ask him for that mother to be healed. Ask him for that business that he put in your heart years ago. Come on, saints, what would you ask him? Ask him for their father to be a father. Ask him for your finances to come in alignment with the kingdom. What would you ask him? I say, ask him again. Ask him for that baby, come on. Ask him for that, that husband. Ask him for that wife. Ask him again. Ask him for the ideas and, and the entrepreneurial uh, uh, persistence that is embedded in your heart. Ask him to open that door. Ask him again. Ask him for that opportunity. Ask him for that second chance. Jesus did it. Give me one more year. Give me one more year to get it right, God. Give me one more year to get my health in order. Give me one more year. Give me one more year to be the mother and the father that I need to be to my children. One more year as an employee on this job. Give me one more year. What would you ask them? See, we're faced coming into 2024 
with another opportunity. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him for a clean heart. Ask again. Ask him to heal your body. Ask him to, 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 to take away the pain and, and the anxiety and the, the fear of, of losing, the fear of and the, the mindset that you're defeated. Ask him to give you strength in times of weakness. Ask him. Ask him for that husband. Ask him for that wife. Come on. God will position you to make you ready. How many single folk in the room? Yeah, raise your hand loud and proud. Ask him for the hood. Don't say, give me Mr. Right now. Say, give me Mr. Right now. <laughs> Ask him. There's, no, there's nothing. Look, God wants you and I to be happy. But you know what? Let him till that ground. Let him get you ready. The Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. You know what that thing is? Favor. She's not a thing, but that's favor. Hey, Amen. She makes me look good, don't she, Pastor Gary? Yes, she does. But ask God. Ask God for that husband. My wife would tell you, you ever hear her testimony? She prayed for her husband at 20. I don't know what she was thinking. But at 20 years old, she wanted a husband. And he sent one, amen? So she asked, you can ask. Ask for your marriage to be restored if it's on the rocks. Ask him again. Ask him for peace of mind when you feel like everything else is falling apart. Ask again. Here's my question. What are you asking? Are you asking God to end it all? Are you asking God to take you away? Can I be honest? I remember one time I was praying for a gentleman. And I said, sir, what do you need from the Lord? He says, I want you to pray that God will open a door for me to leave my wife. That's why I say it in my spirit. What? Are you, are you crazy? I said, excuse me? I want to leave her. Ask God to open the door so I can leave my wife. I said, sir, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for you. I did. I said, your wife ain't your problem. So I prayed for him. I didn't even mention his wife. So when you ask, don't ask amiss. But the Bible does say you have not. Come on, saints. You have not because what's stopping you? Why haven't you asked God for the very thing that you have need of? What's stopping you? Why haven't you asked him? The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen. Why haven't you asked him? It's his good pleasure, his good will to give you those things that your heart desires. Ask him again. Ask him again. Ask him. 
again. Ask him to heal your heart. Ask him for peace in a time of storm. Let me show you something. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 21. I'm going to show you how important it is to ask him. We have not because we ask not. 2 Kings 21. Look at verse 1. A little bit of reading, but we got a little bit more time. Check this out. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. I don't know if, what I would do if my son or daughter was king at 12. <laughs> he was 12 when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hepaziba. We'll go with that. Hepaziba. Next verse. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal and made a asphoropole as Arab, excuse me, as Ahab king of Israel had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced divination, sought omens, consulted mediums, and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, and it aroused his anger. Do y'all see what this guy doing? Hey, look up at all these lights. Just look up. Just imagine you yourself worshiping all these lights, all the starry lights. You begin to come in contact with mediums and sorcerers. You begin to, to, uh, uh, begin to speak to omens and all these things as a king, and God detested it. Next verse. The part that got me back in verse 6 was the fact that he made his son, his own son, walk through fire. Sacrifice his own blood. Verse 7, he took the carved asphalt pole and he had made and he put it in a temple of which the Lord has said to David and to his son Solomon, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites wonder from the land I gave their ancestors, if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them, and I will keep the whole law that my servant Moses gave them. But the people didn't listen. Manasseh led them astray so that they did more evil than the nations of the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord said through his servant, the prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. How many of y'all would agree Manasseh was a wicked king? How many of y'all would agree that the Bible just said everything he did was much worse than any other person before him? 
The Bible considers him one of the most wickedest king, wickedest king Israel has ever had. Look at verse 17. As for the other events of Manasseh's reign and all he did, including the sin he committed, as they are not written in the book of the law of the kings of Judah. Everything Manasseh did is written. And the Bible goes on to say that he died. He died and they buried him in his garden. How many of y'all would agree that's a wicked way to go out? An evil way to go out. You did all this wickedness in the eyes of God and you die. How I many I agree that's pretty bad? I would agree it's bad too if that's how it ended. Go to 2 Chronicles. I was looking at that story in 2 Kings and I thought to myself, that's a sad way to go out. But then something caught my eye. You don't have to turn back, but if you go back to 2 Kings 21 at the end of verse 17, I believe, something caught my eye. It said that, that, oh, there it is. It said that everything that King Manasseh had done for the rest of his life was included and written in the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. And so I thought, Pastor Gary, what else did King Manasseh do? What else? What's the, what else is it to his story that we missed? Because it was pretty gruesome after what we just read. And then I went to 2 Chronicles chapter 33 and starting at verse 9. Now, for the sake of reading, everything that we just said out of 2 Kings, you can find in 2 Corinthians 33, starting at verse 1. It talks about King Manasseh, all the evils he had done, erecting and serving the, uh, the Baal and, and sacrificing the son. It talks about all of that. But then you get to verse 9 of 2 Chronicles 33. But Manasseh, as we just read, led Judah and all the people of Jerusalem astray. Somebody said astray. So that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they did not pay attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh prisoner. They put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him into Babylon. In his distress, he sought the Lord. Ha, here it is. The favor of the Lord, the favor of the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when the Lord heard him, or excuse me, and when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So guess what God did? He brought him back. Somebody say second chance. Hallelujah. Somebody say another opportunity. Amen. He brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew the Lord his God. And look what, he, look what Manasseh did. He got rid of all the foreign gods. He removed the images from the temple of the Lord, as well as the altars that he had built in the temple hill and in Jerusalem. And look what he did. He threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord, sacrificed uh, fellowship offerings and thank off, thankful offerings on it, and told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places, but only the Lord, but only to the Lord their God. Your God, my God, is a God of second chances. You and I can agree that Manasseh, in our natural mind, should not have been given an opportunity to make things right. 
That's according to me and you. But the God you serve, I'm here to tell you, it don't matter how bad you done messed up. It don't matter how many opportunities you have blown. Can I tell you something? God is not only the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of fourth chances. He's the God of fifth chances. Six, seven, eight, nine. He is the God that will give you an opportunity to get things right as long as there's breath in your body. Don't you give up on God. Because like the song says, he is not giving up on you. Y'all stand to your feet with me. Stand, stand, stand. Hallelujah. You know, as I was studying, looking into this, one phrase came to mind. Move forward. Keep moving. Move forward. Keep moving forward. Do this. Close your eyes with me. Close your eyes with me. As they begin to play, I want you to do an inventory. First, there's nothing wrong with looking back in 2023. Do an inventory on 2023, and, and as you do an inventory, you're going to see a lot of victories. You're going to see a lot of successes that took place, a lot of opportunities and doors that came your way. You're going to see those things, and we thank God for them. But then if you keep looking a little bit deeper, you're going to see there might have been times where you missed it. There might have been times, as I said, the opportunity came and went, and and you may have got depressed. You may feel like you lost. You may feel like it's over. 2023, you should have wrote a book. You should have directed a movie. You should have started a business. Now, as your eyes are closed, I want you to think about 2024. How God is going to give us an opportunity to start that business. He's going to give you an opportunity to make things right with your family. He's going to give you an opportunity to uh, go to school. He's going to give you an opportunity to uh, live out those dreams. What are those dreams? What are those dreams? By a show of hands. Is there anybody in this room that would admit that there's some things in 2023 that I just need to repent of? I'm here right now and I realize that God has given me another chance to make things right. And you realize, God, I need to repent. I need to repent because I didn't trust you. I need to repent because I didn't I didn't trust you. I repent because I, I leaned on my own understanding instead of your word. Can you lift your hands? Is that you? You remember what I said to begin with? Honesty is the best way to make sure that that 
mistake doesn't turn into a failure. You just got to be honest, God, I messed up. But I'm standing here tonight, God, and I'm asking you for one more chance. 2024, I'm going to get it right. Uh, there's somebody in here that you really feel like it's over. You, you really feel like that there is no other opportunity. There is no other chance. You feel like it's done. It's finished. Let me tell you something real quick. I, had a, I was having a men's Bible study one time, and there was a gentleman that came to the Bible study. And you can tell when he came in, he was depressed and sad. And so we had our Bible study. We went through the Word. And so I asked if anybody needed prayer, and he said, well, just pray for me. He said, I'm going through a transition. Uh, me and my wife are getting a divorce. And I just want you to pray for me. I got a lot of decisions to make. I, we have children involved, and I just really need prayer for strength. That was his prayer. Just pray for me that I get through this. And I asked him one simple question. I said, brother, do you want God to restore your marriage? So I asked him. He said yes. Now, she wasn't there. But he said yes. I said, then let's ask God to restore your marriage. Let's ask him. Now, look at the dynamics. Only one party is there. The other party isn't. But the last time I checked, God plus one is a what? A majority. And I'm going to tell you something. If his desire was for his marriage to make it, I'm going to come in agreement with him. So me and the men, we prayed. And we asked God to restore that marriage. You know, that guy came back two weeks later and said him and his wife sat down and talked and cried and God healed their marriage. Just ask them. To this day, they're still married, still raising their children. In the midst of divorce, he said, God, I just want my wife. He said, God, I just want a marriage. Ask them. God will begin to work. God will begin to till that ground. You begin to start fertilizing that marriage. You start working it. I got an invitation. If, if you feel like, if you're that person where you feel like it's over, I feel like that's it, I want you to come join me at this altar. I feel like there's somebody here, maybe more than one. You're really ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to quit. You really say, you know what? This is it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Good. Good. Because now this is an opportunity for God to work. This is his opportunity for him to step in and begin to till that ground because you've done all that you know how to do. This is his opportunity, his time to come in and start working on your behalf. To start shifting.
changing, rearranging. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for the people of God. I pray, Father God, you give them the strength to move forward. To not give up. To move forward. To not quit. Restore that relationship, God. Restore that mother to her children, that father to his children. Restore that job unto them. They may have been wrongfully terminated, restored unto them, God. Wayward son, wayward daughter, bring that prodigal home, God. Bring that son, bring that daughter back. Ask him again. I know you asked him once, but ask him again. You may not have seen anything happen. Ask him again. But you got to keep moving forward. I told the people in the jail, Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, he said, go. He said, go. Don't you stand here in your shame. Don't you stay here under this guilt. Don't you stay here being exposed in front of all these people about the wrong you've done. Don't you stay here. Go. Go. 2023 is almost over. Here comes 2024. Go. Don't you allow the, the shame and the defeat of 2023 hold you back anymore. Go. Go. Go start that business. Uh, go find that wife. Go find your kids. Go get that job. Go get that degree. Go write that book. Go. Father, give us the strength to move forward. Give us the strength. Give us the ability, God. Oftentimes when I get the opportunity to minister, I, I want to make sure that I convey the heart of God. And I know sometimes in conveying the heart of God, it could seem a bit somber. and It could seem a bit... I don't want to use the word depressing, but it could seem a bit like, oh, man. But I want to make sure you guys leave tonight understanding that God, hallelujah, is giving you a second chance. I say God is giving you another opportunity. Just ask him. Come on, would you do that before we go home? Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, just begin. Give him the fruit of your lips. Just begin to ask him. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You can say it as quiet as you want to. You can say it as loud as you want to. But just lift your hands unto God and begin to ask him again. Ask him for that fresh fire over your life. Ask him 
for their renewed mind, that clean heart. Just begin to ask him. Just submit and humble yourself right now. And just say, God, I need you more now than I ever have before. I need you going into 2024. Oh, God, I need you to give me strength. Oh, I got an important test coming up. I, I got an important conversation coming up. Ask him again to give you strength. Ask him again to give you the ability to endure. Uh, just ask him. Ask him again. I'm here to tell you he'll do it. He'll do it. All you got to do is ask. He'll do it. All you got to do is ask. Amen. Now take a step of faith and just begin to praise him. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Just begin to lift up the name of God. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity. Thank you, God, for another chance to do everything that you want to do in my life. Amen. Isn't God good? I said, ain't God good? Amen. Listen, on your way home, ask him again. When you get home, ask him again. You keep asking. You keep seeking. And you keep knocking. And watch that door open unto you. When you get up in the morning, you know what I want you to do? Ask him again. And you keep asking. Be redundant. God is. He'll ask a second time. It's in the Bible. Amen. He went to Elijah. Elijah wanted to die. The angel came and gave him some food. Said, rise and eat. He ate went back to sleep. Then the angel came back a second time. and said, get up and go. Ask him again. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for one more year. Thank you for a year of open doors. Thank you for a year of opportunities, Father. Father, I thank you that you haven't given up on us. Thank you, Jesus, for being our mediator, our intercessor. Thank you, Jesus, for standing in the gap for us. We give you the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Saturday, everybody say share. Amen. We need you. Be there Sunday. Be at church. Invite somebody. Come on out. We love to see you and your family. Amen. Y'all go in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you.